This week's Major Spoilers podcast goes out to Stephen Bauer, who used to be all the rage, but now they have that other guy, what's his name, with the Ed Hardy thing. Anyway, I still think that Thomas Kincaid, the painter with light, is a hack, and you should be doing everything, Stephen. But in any case, this one goes out to you. The Major Spoilers podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Matthew. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Steven, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans. In this issue, we're doing the curly shuffle. Cliff and Betty are doing the jitterbud. Rodrigo does the robot, and he needs your clothes, your boots, and your keys. I'm doing a combination of the Freddy and the peanut butter jelly dance as only a fat man with a bad knee can. There's magic in your comics. There's love in the air, cheese in the crust, and a lime in the coconut. And Mark Wade is outstanding in his field. Remember, kids, conspicuous consumption only makes our love stronger. So pull up a drink and pour yourself a chair, and don't forget to walk quietly among the other men. But know their power, for they are your enemies. Quietly crush them as you work diligently through the night. Pay attention to the man behind the curtain, for he is your ally. And uh, do it to the other guy before he does it to you, and be bad to the bone, won't you? Thank you. The Major Spoilers podcast is on the air. Welcome to the Major Spoilers podcast. So glad that you could join us this week. Brand new week. We are happy to be back with no drugs at all. Matthew is off the drugs for now. The flashbacks yep. will kick in in three, two, one. Permanent <laughs> 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 cat. <laughs> All right, we got a lot to talk about this week. We're giant fact, fanged funky winker beans are climbing up the wall. We will be drawing for that new Frontier Absolute Edition a little bit later in the show, as well as talking about Boom Studios Potter's Field, written by Mark Wade. That's all coming up, but first let's get to some news. This week, three items. Uh, Barry Allen and Iris West are no longer married in the new DCU. IDW Publishing is launching Magic the Gathering comics, and we get a really good look at Superman's thingy. Let's spin that Wheel of Destiny and see where it lands. Hopefully as far away from Superman's junk as possible. (laughs) IDW Publishing to uh, launch Magic the Gathering comics. This is the second week in a row that we've hit on Magic. Last week it was double-sided cards. Mm -hmm. This week it is Magic the Gathering comic book. Coming out this fall, the first comic series in more than a decade focusing on Magic the the Gathering uh, comics. Have you read the ones before? Ten years ago, Rodrigo? No. Matthew? Oh, God. Oh, God. Yes, I have. How bad were they? (sighs) You know how when you read a licensed comic of like the X-Files and Gillian Anderson doesn't look right and it throws you out of everything. I want you to imagine everything looking, sounding, feeling and and basically being wrong. Now, wait, we're talking about Magic the Gathering and not that World of Warcraft comic, right? No, 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 no. We're talking about the Magic the Gathering. Because the way you described it, it sounded exactly the same. It's the same thing. Acclaim Comics does a lot of things well, or so I'm told. And this is not one of them. I I picked up a whole bunch of these out of uh, the 50-cent bin at Gatekeeper Hobbies a couple of years after they failed to sell to somebody else. And... (sighs) 
I'm, I'm sorry, Urza is not the Batman. And the legend of the Sarah Angel, as, as I read it, was this unbelievable pot-boiling, bizarre thing where I, I think that the way you can really describe it best is that every single issue of Magic the Gathering comics that I read might have started with a guy at the counter in a t-shirt that says all this in brains too, eating a hot dog in either hand going, yeah, I'm going to tell you about this really cool campaign we had. <laughs> so if they do this, and I believe that, you know, they have some talent on board to do this. Right. I'm hoping that they do it in a way that is, first of all, true to magic. Well, and check second this of out. all, you know, good. The initial four issue miniseries will focus on a unique new planeswalker. Mm-hmm. A powerful mage with the ability to travel between worlds in the magic multiverse. Many popular Magic the Gathering characters will be featured in the series as well. Is his name Access? Uh, it doesn't say. His name is Access, and he can walk. But Matt Forbeck. Well, all all plane workers are that guy. That's like the the definition is this guy's a plane walker, and in parentheses, a mage who can travel between planes. Yes. Like. The Magic I the Gathering the universe was one of those guys in the 30s who would get up on top of like the. the I thought Fockers that was a Chuck Norris TV show from like no, the 1980s. No, 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 no a, Planeswalker, a, Texas Ranger. A, a plane walker is the least attractive hooker on. The, uh, <laughs> oh God! In the eyes of a ranger. The uh, four issue miniseries will be written by Mac Matt Forbeck, who is a renowned author and game designer of the Lord of the Rings role playing game uh, and the oh. Marvel Encyclopedia. Also joined by artist. Martin Kukulo. Gesundheit. Which I think is a bad word in Spanish or something like that. No. Adding to, the rich, adding to the rich stories are exclusive playable alternate art cards for Magic the Gathering, which will only be available through select issues of the IDW comic. Mm. Oh, Rodrigo, I know you're going to be all over this. Uh, probably not. Got to get these rare cards. They're alternate versions of probably fairly common cards. Oh. And even if they're rare, they might not be rare as I like. But... This is not the first time. Actually, it used to be that Magic did give away one of a kind, not one of a kind, but like completely unique cards tied to other publications. I know that in the past, some of the novels that they've had, like you could like tear off a chunk of the back and send it in for a card that you couldn't get in any other way. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, they've since decided that's a bad idea, but this is probably the best way to execute it. That way, you get that amazing uh, bit of cross-promotion between the comic and the game. You know, people picking up the comic are like, oh, what is this? Right. A game based on this awesome comic I've right. been reading? Right. That is crazy. Yeah, yeah. I will um, go play and it then, and yes, spend hundreds will, of dollars yes. and then give all the expensive cards to my colleague, Rodrigo. Hooray! Speaking Hooray. of, uh, haven't heard from this kid in a while, Dexter102. He says, yeah, he's got some comments about the whole uh, two-sided card thing, but he does have a quick question for Matthew and Rodrigo. When did you start Magic, and what was the most valuable card you ever owned? Well, what does that mean? Well, when did you start Magic, <laughs> and what was the most valuable card you ever owned? I started playing Magic at the dawn of third edition, um, where the I want to say the beta cards were still relatively uh, findable to the point where you could find like certain beta uh, booster packs 
and then stuff like that. Because I remember having beta and paying, you know, a pretty, pretty penny for them. But having like beta booster packs and such. And then I stopped playing. I can tell you exactly where I stopped playing. It was right after the one with the boat. Like, I think it was Mirage. Yeah, the yeah. boat. I remember that one. Right around Mirage or the boat. Oh. Thank you. Weatherlight was the point where, you know, I, for me, it was part of it was when they started in my mind. And again, Rodrigo says that I wear a lot of tinfoil hats about magic. They started watering down what I believed to be the sensibilities of the colors to appease people. So let's say you wanted to play a black white deck back in the day, a black white deck meant you had black things you did and they were all death and regeneration and then you had white things you did, and it was all protection and first strike and like that. But it came to a point where all of a sudden we're like, okay, here's the blue version of that power that black has. And here's the red version of that power that white has. And, and of course, that and phasing threw me right out of it. I think the most expensive card I had, I did have a an alpha version, either ball lightning or chain lightning. I can't remember which. That actually was worth some money. And I think that's probably the most expensive card I ever had. Okay. I had a bunch of stuff that's now considered to be rares. And I think when I sold my collection, I got like 88 bucks out of it. All right. What about you, Ryan? More than what Steven got. Yeah. How much did you get out of my collection? Ah, I'm still using it. Because I thought there were some rare cards in there. No, there are rare cards in there. Um, I started playing around a little before Shards of Alara came out. So that's around 2008. Yeah. Um, and the most expensive card I've ever owned was probably Jay's the Mind Sculptor. You know, mm-hmm. that one that mm-hmm. got banned. Yeah, and yeah. I sold it to a friend for about 60 bucks, I remember which you is about probably about 40 bucks less it's than I could have got. $400 Canadian now. Something like that. It's like I, I, I basically gave it give it to a, a friend for a fraction of what is going now online but you know what is this going like 120 yeah, 300 400 like 500 dollars mm-hmm. wow not not quite 500 dollars but um since it got banned i think it's gone down a little bit but since it's still viable in legacy mm-hmm. um which is already the most the, the format with the most expensive cards people don't buy don't bat an eye too much at, at buying a hundred or so dollar card yeah uh also, Magic the Gathering, for everybody that listened to the Saturday show, we talked about that whole uh, issue with John Finkel. Uh-huh. He uh, entered a tournament this past weekend, and all his winnings went to charity. What a nice guy, this John Finkel. How could someone crap on him for uh, playing Magic the Gathering and turning all of that money winnings over to charity? I got to say, though, like... His charity, like gamers helping gamers, yeah, is like yeah. here's a charity to help people that are <laughs> wasting a ton of money on Magic: The Gathering. <laughs> I, I suppose there's there's some rationale behind it, but unless the charity is based around like helping kids through gaming, like getting them involved in right, the community right, right. with Magic: The Gathering and right. things like that, as opposed to just helping kids who happen to play Magic: The Gathering, regardless <laughs> of like social strata or whatever. Oh, well, let's see, a, a charity that provides college scholarships and mentoring programs to members of the Magic: The Gathering community. Uh-huh. That's not well, too bad. Presumably, there's there are other criteria. Oh, I'm sure. I well, hopefully, sure. it'll it'll teach them how not to uh, go on OK Cupid and irritate people. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> That's their uh, first uh, class. Uh, you can go uh, listen to that conversation in this past weekend's uh, Major Spoilers podcast, episode 339. It's quite a few podcasts we've gotten through there, Rodrigo. Mm-hmm. And, of course, also over at the Major Spoilers website, you can find all of these stories. You can find out about this uh, new Barry Allen single situation with the new DCU. You can even get a look at Superman's new costume. It's uh, very much like what we see in the Justice uh, League comic book. Mm-hmm. Which came first, though, Rodrigo? Uh, this costume, I think. Yeah, but uh, for the movie or for the comic book? Um, for the movie, I think. Yeah, yeah, and then the comic book ends up... Yeah. yeah. Corporate synergy. Don't forget, we've got the Majorspoilers.com store. You can find it at Majorspoilers.com slash store. We've got a new episode of Top 5 out this week. Our top five favorite time travel stories. Top five time travel stories. Go check that out. It's in the iTunes. It's on the website. It's probably in your Stitcher somewhere. Who knows? There's a website? Apparently, there's a website. There's also a bunch of new comic books kicking off this month, and we will cover every single one of DC's new number ones. In fact, there's a lot of new number ones coming out this week. Atomic Robo, uh, Ghost of Station X number one comes out this week, and Buffy the Vampire uh, Slayer Season 9 number one comes out this week as well. We've got reviews already over at the Majorspoilers.com website. You can go check that out. Nice. And it is that time of year, Rodrigo. Today I walk up, walked outside and thought I smelled burning leaves. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh no, that's just Texas. <laughs> Turns out it was just one of your students yes. behind the commissary. Yeah, a different kind of weed. <laughs> <laughs> they were leaves, all right. We just don't know what they were leaves of. Brought them up from when Cambodia. When fall is in the guitar. air, it means that it is time for the annual Major Spoilers Costume Contest. Fifth annual Major Spoilers Costume Contest, by the way. You can find all the entries over there at Majorspoilers.com. And check this out. We already have. This went up at like 3.30 this afternoon on Tuesday. Already we have five people entered the contest. Nice. And why are so many people entering so soon? Because this year we are giving away an iPad 2. Whoa. (gasps) Yeah, that's right. An iPad iPad 2 2 is what we are giving away this year in the contest to some lucky winner who enters... We will choose our top five and then let the Spoilerite Nation vote on the number one person. Enter early, enter often. The rules are over there at Majorspoilers.com. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we've got some reviews and some more contest stuff, so stick around. How to get a Major Spoilers shout-out. If you want to get a personalized shout-out at the top of the show, all you have to do is the following steps. Number one. Visit Majorspoilers.com. 2. Click on the Make a Donation button. 3. Donate $10 or more to the cause. 4. Sit back and relax and hear Matthew butcher your name and say something cute about you. Major Spoilers, bringing the good stuff since 20-06. Thank you once again to everyone who has made a donation to the Major Spoilers cause. We certainly do love giving all the shout-outs at the top of the show. And you know what else we like doing here, Rodrigo? What? We like giving away things. Yay. For the last, oh, what, two months, it seems, Mm -hmm. we've had the uh, Major Spoilers uh, New Frontier Absolute Edition contest going on. And there were three things that people could do. They had to go print out the Major Spoilers poster, Uh and they had to get their picture taken with somebody famous, a hot girl or a hot guy, Uh or uh, go get their picture taken in front of... Uh, their comic book store with the store owner. 
and we had a lot of people enter the contest. Apparently. I think there's, I don't know, about 25 entries, 30 entries. Not a whole lot. But for this, I mean, Absolute Edition uh-huh. of the New Frontier has been out for quite a while. So we have here, sealed in a mayonnaise jar since 7.30 this morning. Listen to that. Those are all the entries rattling around there. Yeah, the I'm going to allow Rodrigo to dig in. Yeah, I got a good dig. Okay, I got one. Rodrigo has one. I don't know if you'll be able to read my handwriting. Can anybody read your handwriting? The winner is Julian oh. Burrell. <laughs> Congratulations, Julian. Julian <laughs> 27 yeah, no, he, times. Julian entered nine times. Nine times. Nice. But he wasn't the one that entered the most. There was actually a Kobe Smith, I think, entered something like ten times. Uh-huh. And I think Nate Olson or somebody else. I know somebody else entered like twelve times. Nice. So there were some... There was some uh, really good entries. Uh, one person, Troy, I uh, forget what his last name is, he actually got his picture taken with uh, Jeff Johns holding up the poster. So that was nice. kind of cool. So. Nice. So thank you, everybody, for entering that contest. And th- congratulations, Julian. You'll need to send me your address so that I can get that out to you very soon. And don't forget, we've got a lot of other contests going on. Go back and listen to the last two weeks' worth of podcasts inside those podcasts we tell you what you need to do to enter to win some comic books, signed autographed comic books from our friends over at Gatekeeper Comics and Hobbies. We're going to continue to do those throughout the next month. We've got a whole bunch of these to give away, so be on the lookout for those. All right, so that one's out of the way. We've got a costume contest on the way. We're just Oh, and you know what? October 4th, I think, if you go over to the... Uh, sidebar on the Majorspoilers.com website and click on the next Major Spoilers podcast. October 4th, I think we're going to do a live show. It'll be mm-hmm. the end of the first month of number ones from, from DC. We can have a big old open lines to discuss that. And I'm going to give away a crap ton of stuff. Crap ton. Cool. That whole pile of stuff out there, Rodrigo, we need to get rid of. Yay. Well, yay, I guess. Yay for me. And I think we're going to do that on October 4th. Go check out on the next Major Spoilers podcast. That's where you can find out what shows we have coming up, what trades we're going to read, and if you need to buy that trade, there's a quick little link that you can click on and uh, buy the book so that you have it in time for the discussion. Okay, let's get to some reviews. Let's start first with comics that came out last week. Rock, last paper, scissors, week, one, two, three, go. Last week, Is Matthew Butcher Baker, the Righteous Maker, number six arrived. Sorry, I still I, have. I, I still have not figured out what is this series uh, about. I was trying to pick up my cues, but they were scorched in the cellophane. Ah. Um, Butcher Baker, the Righteous Maker, is sort of like what would happen if someone were creating Captain America today with the assistance of several large sandwiches. Um, Basically, Butcher Baker, the Righteous Maker, is a superhero, and he's right now kind of over the hill, and all the villains have been caught, and there really isn't anything superheroic much to do. So in issue one of this book, Butcher Baker is kind of moping around, and then there's a huge breakout when all of his villains end up breaking free, and Butcher Baker, who's still got it, even though you know he's he's kind of around around the bend over the hill, comes out of semi-retirement, 
And there's also a bit where he he somehow manages to offend a local sheriff whose name is not Buford T. Justice. Oh, man, that would have been perfect. But probably should be. There's a little bit of Smokey and the Bandit in here, and I kind of like it, which, you know, means to me that in my head, anytime the Righteous Maker speaks, I hear Jerry Reed, which is kind of neat if you've ever heard Jerry Reed talk. He's from Louisiana, and he talked kind of funny, but it's also kind of fascinating all at the same time. But this issue, issue six, um, basically both Butcher Baker and Sheriff Arnie B. Willard have gone to ground. Things have gone poorly. Butcher has been captured by one of his oldest villains, Jihad Jones, while Sheriff Willard has been through some transformational experiences of his own, and another supervillain is trying to manipulate him. So the first half of the book is Butcher basically being tortured by Jihad Jones. So it's definitely not a book that you can just walk into on issue six, I'll tell you that. About After about three pages of torture, we get a big flashback. And the flashback is fun because it's done by the current team as though it were a flashback issue of Butcher's comic book in the 70s. Mm-hmm. So you kind of have to imagine it as written by Steve Englehart and drawn by Sal Buscema. But it's still this completely wacko, jingoistic, nut job rhetoric, which is such fun. And Butcher Baker is, you know, still a great, big, vicious, sex-crazed, angry, cursing maniac. But once all the torture is over, we get a little bit of of Sheriff Willard, and we find that Sheriff Willard has a secret weapon. Somehow he and Butcher are linked. We don't know how. We don't know why. And also Dick Cheney is in this, but that's another story. And Sheriff Willard ends the issue with the help of a a super evil supervillain from another planet by realizing that he finally has taken control and has... Butcher's big rig, the Liberty Bell, and he will use it to avenge himself or something. It's the or something that makes it funny. This is one of those books that I just can't describe. I I cannot tell you why I enjoy Butcher Baker. It's it kind of reminds me of that feeling I got when I read early issues of Chew when everything was kind of inexplicable and yet it had a, a grounding and a basis and the characters were all, okay, this sure is my reality. You know, when, when chicken is, is, is the equivalent of marijuana, you kind of have to go, Hmm. And in this one, it's, it's sort of that song. Hmm. Yes. I understand. Oh, six, anything goes way over the top mentality yeah. for hero comics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's applied to superhero comics and superhero and adolescent power fantasy and, you know, strange sexual deviancy and bizarre, just, I don't know, at BDSM overtones. And even Captain America has moments where you're just kind of like, really? Because Captain America, I command you to, never mind. You have those moments in every comic where you're just like, I don't think they thought about how this came out. I don't think they thought about how that was. And Butcher Baker is basically that moment set to, I don't know, the music of Jethro Tull. It's it's kind of a transcendental experience. I love it. It's nuts. And in the text piece at the end of the issue, Joe Casey, who's the writer, is talking about how he doesn't like being known as a veteran, but he's probably less bothered by that in the fact that the rest of the quote 
Fascinating. Book said, the veteran scribe seems to be losing his mind in the text piece. It's nuts. Four out of five slices of meatloaf. I don't know why it's good, but I think you should check it out, especially if you're weird. And the weirder you are, I think the more you'll like this. It, 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 it You know how sometimes you're like, whoa, and then everybody was like, whoa, and then you're like, whoa. It's like that. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for that fascinating insight into Butcher Baker, The Righteous Maker, number six, don't, out last week from Image don't, Comics. Don't mock me, Stephen. I am not mocking you. I am mocking don't, technology. Yeah. Don't we, we got We probably got about two-thirds of that, Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> I hate that. Okay. Have it. Oh, uh, no, it wasn't quite like that. It was like there were long pauses, and then you just pick right back up where you yeah. nodded off. So let's do this. And then the horns kicked in. All right, I think Matthew is back. So let's take a look at The Rocketeer Adventures from IDW Publishing, the fourth and final in this miniseries. Three short stories featuring Cliff as the Rocketeer, Betty Page as his girlfriend, and, of course, his uh, trusty sidekicks and companions. Three stories. The first one, Day at the Beach, written by Dave Gibbons, art by Scott Hampton. Uh, Cliff and Betty are at the beach, and there's a big Hawaiian dude there showing off his ancient surfboard. And some guys dressed as the Shadow come and steal the surfboard, and Cliff has to go dress up as the Rocketeer and save the day. And by the end, even though Cliff was a little upset by Betty's... Uh, Eye-wandering, they all have a barbecue at the end of the beach. Second book, Waterlog, second story, by Joe Purit, art by Tony Harris. Uh, features the tale of a Japanese sub that uh, Cliff sees off the coast of California, goes and investigates, and in the process blows up the, the uh, Japanese sub and becomes a hero. The third story, The Flight of the Aeronaut, features a Nazi spy who comes to steal the plans for the, the rocket pack. Turns out instead of a he, it's a she. Oh. And uh, Cliff uh, reacts by chasing her up into the sky, the rainy sky. She gets away, but hey, guess what? The blueprints are all run and smeared because of all the rainwater, and so the Nazis don't get the rocket pack plans after all. That last one, I think, did I mention who that last one was by? John Arsudi, Arcudi, and uh, Brendan McCarthy on art. Now, wasn't he the senator who believed he had a list of 81 communists in the American film industry? Yes. Yes, he was. Um, Here's the problem. This series started out really strong, but by the end, I think it's mediocre. Because in these last three stories... Cliff is just very reactionary to everything. And I think one of the nice things about the Rocketeer in the early days was there was a little bit of mystery where Cliff was actually getting into trouble because of what he was doing. Right. And here they've, it's just... They've turned him into a superhero. They've turned him into a superhero where he's just essentially reacting his way through everything. Um, he doesn't have to do any investigating. It's, here comes trouble. Let me get on the suit. Let me go do something. The end. Here comes trouble. Let me put on the suit. Let me go do something. The end. And so I think that's what kind of spoiled this final issue for me, even though I've been pretty excited about all four issues throughout the entire time. Um, The Day at the Beach story is probably the most interesting, although I did like the waterlogged one just for the beautiful art uh, by Tony Harris. Uh, The Flight of the Aeronaut, if you like uh, uh, 
Nazi spies and that kind of stuff, there's some appeal there. There's a little bit of appeal in each one of these stories, but overall, things just get kind of bland. I wish there was more action instead of reaction throughout. I'm giving this final installment of Rocketeer Adventures two and a half slices of meatloaf. Do I want to see more Rocketeer? Yes, I would love to see more Rocketeer, but not in these many four-page, six-page stories that each issue has. I'd like to see a four-issue arc uh, that yeah. contains one story from beginning to end, or even a three-issue arc that goes from beginning, middle, and end. I think that would be great. But this one, just kind of middle of the road, just didn't do it for me. And, of course, it's got that great cover by, uh, what, Alex Ross that Matthew just loves, loves, loves. I love it so much. I actually, uh, I've noticed that there's kind of a law of diminishing returns with the Rocketeer, because I loved one, one, and I liked two, mm-hmm. two and I kind of uh, enjoyed three, and I, I feel like this this was described by Kurt Busick as the, the low, and I think it's gotten to the point where we've now seen the covers of Dave's Greatest Hits, yeah. and it, I, I'm glad that they're wrapping it up, and I do want to see them come back and do something new. Definitely. All right. A brand new comic comes our way this week. I'm guessing this is from uh, Dynamite Entertainment. It's uh, uh, yes. Terminator Robocop. Kill all humans. Terminator. Actually, it's just called Kill Human. Terminator Robocop. Colon. Kill Human. Number two. Fill us in on this fascinating tale right. of robot versus robot. So in this, is this another on one cyborg. of those? Uh, it's actually Cody Cyborg Cambria on Android. Comics? No, no. This is this title is entirely too short. Otherwise, it'd be Terminator Robocop Kill Human. Hey, good Apollo, you owe me five dollars <laughs> through fear between the eyeballs of madness. <laughs> and also, where are my keys? Yes, a favor house Atlantic. Anyway, um, so this is a story about a Robocop. And All about how my so so basically what they're setting up this story to be is um RoboCop in the place of the second version of the T800. Mm, okay. So whereas instead of Arnold coming back and mm-hmm. saving uh John and Sarah Connor it's going to be Murphy. Oh really? Uh-huh. Interesting. That's an interesting take. It is an interesting take. Um, there are a lot of interesting things going on in this book, like, um, and this is the second issue and I haven't read the first, but, uh, RoboCop is kicking around basically in the, in the headquarters of Skynet in the future, mm-hmm. trying to figure all this out. And he's like, Skynet, tell me how many humans are left. And he is like, Skynet is like zero. Oh no. And he's like, no, that can't be. Calculate again. Zero is like... No, there has to be one. I'm human. And Skynet is like, no, you're not. Uh-oh. Um, and he's like, basically, he starts giving uh, Skynet orders, and Skynet complies, and is like, why are you helping me? And Skynet is like, you're not human. You're not a threat. Cool. Right. So there's a lot of all this interesting stuff going on. Um, the art is good. Um, nothing, no one terribly looks like their movie counterparts, except for RoboCop, who, is, right. who looks like a tin can, like right. he did in the movie. Um, 
there's there's a lot of action there's some philosophical stuff and then there's stuff that i didn't particularly like because um they really seem to be picking and choosing what robocop they want from panel to panel because you're seeing everything through you know through murphy's eyes Mm -hmm. and he's thinking about things and he's like you know, at some point, uh, the T eight hundred comes out with like a Gatling gun at him, and he's like, "Shit!" <laughs> you know. Um, but also, when he jumps back through time uh, to 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 the current time or the Terminator timeline, which is like nineteen eighty five, eighty nine, I think. Like that, yeah. Um. Uh, there's like a a, a crack addicted like mob stooly guy like over there and he's like oh i'll never do drugs and i'll never do bad things again and he's like very good citizen because that is all illegal <laughs> and then of course there's the, the the final line of the issue where he like jumps in and saves uh, and tries to save sarah con sarah and, and john connor and he you know offers sarah his hand and says Come with me if you want to live. Mm-hmm. You have five seconds to comply. <laughs> Which is good, but again, is like... Admit it, if this were on the big screen and that line was said, the whole audience would be like, Yeah! Yay! Yeah! It's the and, and line! It it's two of the lines! Exactly. And that's... <laughs> That's clearly what they're going for, which right. is a little bit unfortunate. And I guess I shouldn't have terribly high hopes for Terminator <laughs> versus RoboCop. I mean, unless it was Terminator versus RoboCop versus Aliens versus Predator. Now that would be awesome. Which would be Batman awesome. Batman versus Superman versus werewolves versus vampires. Right. Um, versus Lady Gaga's gynecologist. <laughs> so, but again, the characterization of RoboCop seems to go back and forward, which... He's the main character of the story, so that that was a little annoying. But other than that, it's exactly what it says on the label. It's RoboCop versus Terminator, and I'm pretty sure that we're going to get RoboCop versus Terminator pretty much every issue because you actually see the T-1000 hanging out in the background at one point. Oh, yeah. So he's probably actually going to fight every version of the Terminator. Cool. Any Ed 209s walking around? Um, are those just the skeleton guys? No, those are the oh uh, the the <laughs> RoboCop. Yeah, yeah, yeah the RoboCop. okay. No, we we don't see any of those. Um, but I'm sure we will. I will I will bet you anything that we will. Okay. Well, so what's the bottom line then, Rodrigo? Um, I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it three slices of meatloaf. All right. Again, not great characterization, but this is something that really you can. Or at least at some point, I would have said you can only accomplish in a comic because the fact that they actually made Freddy versus Jason at some point leads me to believe that this could actually be a movie someday. Oh, it'd be pretty awesome as a movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. All right. Thank you so much for that, Rodrigo. The reviews are done, and you can find more reviews over at majorspoilers.com. And when those reviews are done, it can only mean it's one time. Oh, and I'm time. fabulous. <laughs> Sorry, I'm trying to be ahead of the game because I know I've got about a 12-second delay, and I'm probably going eep up. But it's time for the millions in attendance 
and the four guys named Joe in the corner. Major spoilers for the week. This week, we got to thinking. <laughs> Back in the day when Matthew and I were young, and before I keep Rutter trying Hill. to think, but nothing happens. <laughs> Come in, knucklehead. Um. Back in the day when, uh, way back in the day, there was this vaudevillian team that got their way into the motion picture industry being slapstick buffoons. The Three Stooges they became. And Ted's oh, and his southern gentleman. And oh, the laughter they caused for generation upon generation upon generation, maybe to Matthew and I's generation, maybe the last generation. Because we'd go home in the afternoons and turn on the TV and there would be Three Stooges. And there would be Tom and Jerry and Woody Woodpecker with all the violence. Mm-hmm. Today, when I was I know a kid, we, we used to have like school assemblies where they would watch. play Three yeah. Stooges cartoons on like 35 millimeter film. Yeah, I remember that. Just to keep us shut up. Yep. Um, now, I realized that on Sundays, I think on one of the TBS or TNTs or one of those cable channels, they still run the Three Stooges. Uh, but I turned it on one day. And my son was watching and he was giggling. And then I got the look from the wife of this is not appropriate for a four year old. And it's like, come on, you don't see he's not going to pick up an, a saw and start raking it across the top of my bald head. He's not going to start poking us in the eyes or picking up giant sledgehammers and swinging them around or making coherent noises. <laughs> he's not going to suddenly start spinning on the floor and barking at his, <laughs> at his soup. <laughs> But one of the nice things about the Three Stooges is, while Moe and Larry were always there, the third Stooge rotated out. In fact, there were four Stooges. It first started with Shimp Howard, and then he right. dropped out because he got he got scared uh, because yep. of uh, bomb threats. You know, Healy got really mad about them wanting to split apart and do their own thing, and he threatened to blow up any movie theater that was going to uh, run their shorts. And so Shimp stepped away, and they got their yep. brother Curly Howard. Uh, to come in, and he ran for a long time. Then he had a heart attack, and uh, Shimp came back for a couple of years. And then I don't remember if he had a stroke or if he just got out of it or what. But then we Curly had that. a stroke. Yeah, Curly had a stroke. I can't. But Shimp came back, and then I forget yeah, why he Shimp, left. Shimp died. Yeah, he died. And then we Shimp got died uh, in fifty-five. Joe Besser came in for a short while, probably only like yeah. two years, I think. And then we yeah, got Curly Curly Joe Dorita came in finally. And most of the people are going to remember Curly Joe from the uh, Three Stooges movies uh, that came out. Like yeah. the Three Stooges travel back in time. The Three Stooges meet Hercules. Three Stooges on the moon. Three Stooges and Santa Claus. You know, those. Have Rocket Will Travel. Have well. Rocket Will Travel will be probably the most well-known of those. So we want to know, who was the best third stooge? Rodrigo, did you get to watch the Three Stooges in Mexico when you were a wee little lad? Yeah, I got to watch some of it, but um, not not all that much. I think... Giant transforming robots took... Uh, no, it's not even that, because, I mean, this is all this is all repeat territory, right? Right, 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 yeah. So, mostly when I was, when I was a kid, all this stuff got pushed aside for that newfangled Gilligan's Island, <laughs> Get Smart... <laughs> Um, yeah, well, and the eighties didn't hit Mexico until nineteen ninety three. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I mean, and this was like the stuff that was on super cheap syndication, right? Right. And I know for a fact that they used to run the Three Stooges stuff on that same mm-hmm. 
time slot, but mm-hmm. if, by the time, like, all the stuff I remember is all basically Gilligan's Island, yeah. Brady Bunch, Partridge Skip Family. Over. Yep, if you knew when to when to get home and when to turn it on, you could watch Gilligan's Island and the Brady Bunch, but you also got to see Three Stooges mm-hmm. and, and the Little Rascals. I right. love the Little Rascals all the time. So have you seen Three Stooges then or not? I, I've seen very little. Oh, okay. Do you have um, a do you do you remember any of them in particular? I, I only remember Curly Howard mm-hmm. and Shemp. Mm. And I thought that Curly Howard was a lot curl that Curly was right. a lot better just because he was like weirder looking. <laughs> yeah. Um because I the ones that I've seen with Shemp, he's pretty much the straight man. Yeah. Um or, or at least the, he's like the least funny out of the three. It seems right. I, I can um, see that. And then I saw one where he also plays their dad. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and and he was okay there, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I went with now. Here, let me tell you an interesting story about Curly Howard. How he, you know, they actually made him audition for the mm-hmm. Stooge part. And when they first yeah. had him audition, uh, he had like this curly red hair. Long curly red hair, and he had this big handlebar mustache. And he came in and did his routine, and the the studios were like, "Yeah, he's okay, but I mean that hair and that mustache." And so he went out of the room, came back like five minutes later, and his head was already shaved. <laughs> he still had the mustache, but he did the routine again, and they're like, "Well, th- yeah, this is going to be great. Let's let's do it." And so that's how he became that that third stooge uh, for a long time. And he's probably the most well-known of the stooges. Hmm. My favorite, though, is Shemp. Not because he's played yeah. the straight man, because he's almost the polar opposite of Curly Howard, where Curly is the, um, the imbecile. Mm-hmm. You know, he just doesn't get anything. He's, rea- you know, he's the one that is... I don't know if you could say any of these guys. I mean, they're stooges. That's a that's a a name in itself. But he's the one that seems the most mental of all of them. He's a stooge among yeah. stooges. Yes, Shimp, on the other hand, is just past the R mark and understands enough to know what's going on uh, <laughs> yeah. without without going ballistic. So yes, you'll see him bark at the soup, and you'll see the clam bite him on the nose and have him go you know all crazy that way. But he's he's the toned down version of all mm-hmm. of the Stooges. And I think the fact that he plays everything so low key and straight almost uh-huh. all the time, like you said, right. makes him one of the funnier uh, Stooges that, that are in this list. So I went with Shimp Howard. Matthew, who'd yeah. you go with? See, it, I, I, I was torn on this one because it, it, when I was a kid, I used to actually we would watch these in school and I would watch these in, you know, in the evenings when they were on because we only had four channels. And I was really torn because part of me, you know, my, my internal hipster doofus says, well, Shemp came first. Right. And then I'm like, but Curly was so awesome. And what I really, I kind of ranked it. You remember how they used to say that Larry had a callus on one side of his face? Yeah, from being slapped all the from, time. From Mo smacking the crap out of him. Yeah. I started thinking about of the four third stooges, who did I like the best from a dramatic perspective? Because Curly, you'd slap him in the face and he'd be like, which was awesome. And of course, Joe Besser was just kind of a non-entity. Joe Besser was kind of like a meaner Curly. And Curly Joe Dorito was essentially just doing Jerome Howard shtick. Mm -hmm. But Shemp always seemed to be able to hold his own against Mo. And I think it may have been because, you know, I think he was the elder brother. I don't remember. But there there was kind of a subtext there. Where Shemp, you know, Shemp was actually a match for Mo. So I actually voted Shemp 
even though I love Curly and I, I appreciate all the arguments that people are making about Curly, Shemp, first of all, did it first. And while. And I, he did it third. First and third. Exactly. <laughs> you could make the argument that Curly was funnier. Shemp was consistently funny for me. And Shemp was also someone. When Mo would hit Curly, you'd be like, oh, that Mo is all mean. When Mo would hit Shemp, you'd, you'd see this look in Shemp's eyes where he's like, well, I, I oughta. Yeah, and, yeah. It, you know, it looked like it was a more balanced comedic perspective to me. Hmm. So here is a, here's, a, here's a quote from uh, Gibraltar who says, And behold, the first major spoilers poll of the week in over three years that I've been coming to the site that I won't vote on. I don't like any of them. I never liked the Stooges. I never found the funny. In my opinion, a waste of POW. Nyuck, nyuck, shut up, please. <laughs> How come? Why, well, why do people not get the varies. Stooges? Why do people not get the Stooges? Well, here's the simple answer. Are you ready? <laughs> no sense of humor. This, no, <laughs> it's not that. The Stooges play very often to the lowest common yeah, denominator. They They're the dick and fart and jokes of, of funny. Exactly. They are the equivalent. They're pratfalls and they're physical comedy. And it's all about, whoa, it's, it's funny voices and yak, 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 and slapping each other and sawing each other on the head. It really is what, you know, some people look at as lowbrow, as, you know, cheap laughs. But it's not just that. And I think that, it, again, it's that question of consistency. You, if you watch a Stooges short, they are not going to disappear into the characters. I mean, this is not like a, a Buster Keaton thing where he just whoosh, and all of a sudden there's a new character in the room. It's, it's not like Stanislavski. It's three guys who have broad roles that they play. Mm-hmm. And the three guys play these roles, the same roles, no matter what they are. They're dog yep. catchers, they're firemen, they're piano, piano movers, <laughs> they're, they're, they're rich caterers. Kids. <laughs> yeah, Whatever they're they rich. are, they play the same thing. It's mean guy, dumb guy, sardonic guy. Yep. And you you take that and you really break it down to its simplest. <laughs> it is simple, and some people mistake the simplicity of it for a, a simpleton kind of attitude. So yeah. I think that, you know, it's it's perfectly valid not to like anything. Mileage always varies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think people who dislike the Stooges dislike the Stooges because they're dumb, whereas the dumb is half the fun. Yeah, yeah. And it is. I just I still sit there and I laugh at their silly antics. And this is stuff that is now almost some of it. 70 years old in some of the routines. Now, they started in vaudeville in 1922. Their first yeah. movie came out in 1930. Mm-hmm. So we are just what? 15 years away we're, almost from from the 100-year anniversary of the first Stooge movie. We're like now, 80 years in. Rodrigo, you remember a, 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 a movie by Charlie Chaplin called The Little Dictator, right? Yeah. And how he was mocking the Nazi party. Right. The Stooges beat Charlie Chaplin to that gimmick by like three months nice. before Chaplin did his routine where Moe was Hitler – uh, Curly was uh, Goebbels and uh, Larry was, and I forget who Larry was. Mussolini? Maybe, I don't remember. But um, poked fun at the Nazis and Hitler so much that the Stooges were on Hitler's death list. Nice. Where you see the Stooges, you kill the Stooges. The only other person in entertainment that we know of that was on that list was Jack Benny. Wow. For his uh, portrayal of, um, what was that... Uh, Mel Brooks uh, remade that movie a couple of uh, years later where they were the Jewish uh, uh, 
History comedy of the troupe. world. No, no, not History of the World. The the Jack Benny one. Gosh. Uh, Jack Benny is this terrible Shakespeare actor, yet he gets wrapped up in uh, having to portray Hitler. In in uh, and they're trying to kill Hitler, uh, and I forget the name of that movie. Somebody's going to rem- remind me of it. Not, it's not Night at the Opera. I've, that's a Marx Brothers bit. But he got put on Hitler's death list because nice. of that. So the Stooges, not only with their comedy, but also because of their political satire, mm-hmm. uh, give them high marks for me. And it's you know you watch these guys over the years, Matthew, and you see them when they're in the 1930s. And the night early 1940s when they're doing their stuff, and they look like yeah. young guys. But then you jump ahead to have Rocket will travel, and these and guys are like in their old. 70s, and you see Mo and Larry just like saggy faces, yeah. and, you, and it's just almost pathetic. But you know you can still watch some of that and get a really, the, get the, a kick well, out of it. The one that I saw most recently had Champ in it, probably. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it was weird because it was on like TNT mm-hmm. or. TBS or something, TBS, I don't mm-hmm. know what it was. And it was like filling in time between like <laughs> a show King. and yeah. the Manchurian candidate. <laughs> I was like, that yeah. was freaking surreal. Yeah, if you guys get a chance, oh, check it out. Yeah. It's Sunday morning. It's on one of the, I think it's Turner or, or TBS or TNT. Yeah, it's it's one of those two. Um, but they have those running in the mornings again mm-hmm. on Sundays. And you can check out some of the best of the Three Stooges. Now realize too that the Three Stooges that you watch on television are highly edited down because yes. they used to be two reelers. They used to be 40 minute shorts. Uh, and now you're watching them and I, there may be 15 minutes tops the way they've been edited down over the years. So uh, if you can go check out some of the original stuff, that would be great. Matthew, how and have the spoilerites voted? Too. Oh yeah. Some, well, some of the, the best violence out there. Yeah. Some of the absolute awesome. As of right now, I'm seeing 330 spoilerites voting. And it is no surprise that nearly 90%, 85% voting Curly, uh, Shemp trailing at 12, as I expected, uh, Curly Joe and Joe Besser uh, in the neighborhood of 1% are about, uh, I'm going to say, three to five votes apiece. You have to love Joe Besser. I mean, Joe yeah, Besser eventually grew up. I knew him. No, you do. I knew him as the voice of Babu on the uh, the Laugh Olympics when we yeah. were kids. Yeah. Uh, yeah, apple to apple. That's why I love Joe Besser. And he used to play uh, a, a little kid character called Stinky. Mm-hmm. And apparently in the 30s and 40s, it was hysterical to have a 40-year-old fat man in a diaper playing a little baby. But he <laughs> did it better than anybody else. <laughs> he, All right, he, he did it well. Do you agree? Do you disagree? Do you want to change the vote? Head over to Majorspoilers.com. Check out the uh, show notes. We've got a link right there. Yep. And you can cast your vote as well and share some of your comments. And next week, Larry Fine versus RoboCop. <laughs> <laughs> hey, come with there me. If you want to live, I'm not going to. Yeah, five seconds to comply. <laughs> see? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. When we come back, we will be discussing Mark Wade's Potter's Field. Stick around. Hey, this is uh, Henry Tripson here. Uh, you don't know me, but uh, that's beside the point. I made a Batman fan film. It's online right now. It took a long time to make. It's called Batman The Line. Uh, it's played three film festivals. It's going to play a fourth, potentially a fifth. It's gotten uh, the approval of Sandy Clara and John Fiorella, some uh, major fan filmers there. If you get an opportunity to check it out, you should, because it's wicked sweet awesome. 
And, uh, yeah, that's about it. So live long and prosper, I guess. Okay. That's it. Bye-bye. We want to thank, I don't remember if we even had somebody. I think we have one person who called in. (laughs) It says it's an unknown number. It says it's an unknown number. But for those people that do want to call in and share their thoughts over a variety of topics, all you need to do is call the Major Spoilers Hotline. That number, Matthew, is... 785-727-1939. The Major Spoilers Hotline. All right, so let's get a little bit serious. Let's talk, and I believe this was one of um, Mark Wade's first books that he did with Boom Studios, um, called Potter's Field. And the idea behind Potter's Field is there is a mysterious stranger named Joe, John Doe, John, John Doe, and he goes through the Potter's Field in New York City. If you haven't heard about it, it is a very famous and well-known. Mass graveyard for people that they can't identify. And he has made it his life's mission to go and find out and attach names to all of these people. And in the process, solve murders and crimes and mysteries. And so we get to see all of that. Rodrigo, give us a little bit of more breakdown. Break us down in detail about specifically what happens in in this, uh, this trade paperback comes out this week from Boom Studios. Collects the three issue miniseries, and then there was a one shot that followed up after that. So, uh-huh. so this is the uh, the story of John Doe. John Doe, as you said, is trying to figure out who everyone is in Potter's Field, and of course, since all these people die under under mysterious circumstances. Uh, ends up unraveling a lot of mysteries that other people want hidden. So you yes. get that that uh, edge of danger, danger in in this whole thing. Um, the John Doe, this mysterious man who lurks in the shadows, has agents. Hmm. Um, Interesting. Who do not know a lot of anything about him, or for the most part, each other. Yeah, that's true. Um. And as he sort of solves these crimes, he kind of gathers more agents and, and calls upon them. Um, and and we we never in this trade paper rag we do not figure out who he is or what his deal oh, no. is. Well, we might. We'll talk about that in, in a little bit. But uh, he. It's funny you say he has agents and no one knows who he is. He's uh-huh. almost, he moves like a shadow. Yes. He's almost very much like the shadow yeah. in the way he fights crime, except he doesn't cloud men's minds, but he has no problem breaking into a mob uh, secure house and shove the boss's toilet, uh, head in the toilet in order to get answers to find out who this person is in the grave. Mm-hmm. And the one thing that I've learned in all of my life, Rodrigo, uh-huh. don't piss off the mob. Yes. Okay? Don't ever piss off the mob. You're going to have to end up like Matthew in hiding in Topeka, Kansas. Working Gatekeeper Comics and Hobbies on (laughs) Sundays from 12 to 5. (laughs) First of all, nobody knows that my real name is Gern Blanston. (laughs) It's interesting, though, because he picks his cases. He picks the the names that he wants to figure out. Uh Uh-huh. He's the one that calls the shots. And yet he's approached one night in Potter's Field by 
a redheaded woman with the sad story of my twin sister's been kidnapped and I know she's dead and I know she has to be buried in Potter's Field and I know the guy that did it. Oh, please, won't you help me, Mr. John Doe? Oh, please, won't you help me? Just like that, basically. Just like that, yeah. We also find out how she found out how to find him. Mm-hmm. Matthew. Huh? Oh, I'm sorry. I was sidetracked. How did how did she end up finding out about John Doe? Well, I don't know. You tell me. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> so I'm sorry. I missed that bit. This was actually I was a- sidetracked by a particular thought process that that occurred to me. And I'm actually now looking at, at this particular page and wondering if my thought process isn't true. But we'll get to that in a moment. Okay. Um, There's actually uh, something that I really like because the first issue in the trade uh, is narrated largely from the perspective of one of the agents. Mm-hmm. And you see yeah. that he's talking to some chick that he's been sleeping with. Right. Okay, moving on. Yeah, next no big issue. Deal. Yeah, next issue. She goes to find him and you find out that this random girl who was really just an an, an, therefore exposition is now getting involved in the plot Mm -hmm. which i thought was really interesting and then that agent gets pulled into this and and kind of yelled at but then you find out that he has also sought out other agents and now those like multiple of them are are talking to each other yeah as they try to figure out his secret identity now let me ask you this Having read, well, maybe read how many noir books? One? Uh, Maltese Falcon, is that it? Or have you read others? I didn't even read it all the way through. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I thought you said you read it through twice. Yeah. Having um, read noir books or being right. familiar with the genre, w- did you have a weird tip-off right away as soon as she shows up? A dame was no good. Uh, yeah, de- definitely when, when a dame shows up in in a detective book, you know that... You know that she's no good. Um, like, the prettier and more vulnerable she is, the mm-hmm. the more likely that this is to be an issue. Now, I didn't get the whole thing that she was that same girl. Oh, okay. Um, but you find that out pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we find out that this twin, because she was away out of town when she figured her twin sister was, was cacked, when she came back into town, somebody recognized her and thought that she was her twin sister and roughed her up. And so she has... The idea of the person who roughed her up. Please, Mr. John Doe, won't you go do something? Please, I know he's got all the answers. So John Doe goes yep. down to Club Carnage, or no, Club Cauldron, and confronts the slimy tattooed man. And there's a little bit of shoot him up and a little bit of bang bang. And the next thing we know, John Doe does not kill the bad guy. Because the bad guy didn't do it. Nope, he didn't. It was all a setup. Yep. The girl yep. is actually working for the mobster that we saw in the very first couple of pages where John Doe is shoving his face in the toilet. Mm. And the guy's like, you know, no way anybody insults me like this. And for weeks, they've been following John Doe and trying to find out who his acquaintances are, how they can get in with him. And once they saw him meet up with the um, with one of his compatriots, they followed him. And then got the girl to sleep with the guy and get all the information out of him. And then that's how they they tracked him down. And that leads us into the third chapter of this book where John Doe and his friend, they're on Potter's Island. They're running through the woods. It's a big fight. Um, and it ends in the uh, 
penitentiary, the factory grounds on Potter's Island, the abandoned ones, where apparently John Doe has set up shop and more fighty-fighty, more bangy-bangy. The whole place goes up in smoke and presumably the mafia boss uh, is killed, Mm -hmm. as is the girl. Uh, and they get their own markers because their bodies are so badly burned, they get their own markers in Potter's Field. Right. A fitting end for his ilk, as Batman would say in 1938. (laughs) What'd you think of this three-issue story there, Matthew? I was actually torn because when I started reading it, I didn't necessarily expect a noir crime tale. Mm Mm-hmm. Because I'm thinking, you know, Mark Wade. For some reason, my mind is saying Mark Wade. Something weird is going to be going on here. Right. So my expectation was, you know, look for something more than what it seems to be. Mm-hmm. And uh, for some reason, I, it, it early in that first issue, my head just got hooked around the the sequence with Bruce Willis in the Sixth Sense. Then I started looking to see if I could see the back of John Doe's head. Mm. So that threw me into a really weird place when it turned into the crime story. But I really, probably the first 12 pages of this, loved the first 12 pages of this to death. Mm -hmm. Because it set up everything you need to know, and it did it in such a fascinating way. Right. And the thing that sticks with me is when John Doe is, is, we first see him, and he's first you know, figuring out the identity of the first person. Mm-hmm. They do it in the space of like five pages. It's yeah. real economy. It's really well done. And then we see his little notebook. He's going through Potter's Field numerically. Oh, is he? Okay, I didn't pay attention to that detail. Yeah, so he goes 901, 902, 903, 904. And it, I mean, I, I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, this is this is some pretty freaky obsession you've got here. And then I started, you know, going through the whole thing and figuring out, you know exactly what was going on i completely missed the bit about the reveal because i was sidetracked with like wait he's not a ghost because my <laughs> well, mind could be my mind is thinking well you're thinking what along the lines of the specter or something i'm thinking like the sixth sense i'm like you know oh, okay. he's, he's human and he he seems human and he's solid but he's dead and he's been dead the whole time and it turns out it was it was Earth all along, and oh, look at that yeah, yeah. weird door. But well, what about if you wanted I, to go? I, you know, I was expecting something like that. What if you wanted to go a step further? He has some investigative background. He knows how to fight. He knows how to handle a gun. What if he was a police officer that was shot and then came back to life, and now he lives in the cemetery? He doesn't have fingerprints. He doesn't have fingerprints. What? And he's wearing His blue name is a lot. No, 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 not the crow. I'm thinking Will Eisner's the uh, the spirit. Ooh, you know what if this sort is a modern take on the spirit? Um, I think it's pretty obvious no, he who has this socks. guy is, and why he can get around so easy and stuff. He just went uh, fingerprinters expelliamus. <laughs> Hello, the book is called Potter's Field. <laughs> All right, Alan Rickman, that's enough out of you. <laughs> I, actually, I actually. I actually thought that this first, I thought this story was too short, to be honest. I was expecting just a little bit more, just this little bit more, I think was needed some way, a little bit more on the investigation and not so cut and dried point A, point B, point C, the end. Right. You know, there needed to be, if there was a little bit more investigation into 
the girl's murder so that he knew that it was a setup, you, yeah, I think it would have been a little bit more um, compelling. You, you do. I will agree that if we had gotten a little bit more slack before the whip, mm-hmm. it would have been nice. Mm-hmm. You know, like if if he had followed up a little bit more before you get that moment of, oh, no, it's a trap. Right, right, right. Yeah, I think that would have been, I think that would have made it a little bit more fitting. Mm-hmm. This was only three issues in the first first release, so I can understand, especially with Boom, they're known for these very short arcs, three, maybe four issues, uh, and then see what works and then bring it back. Now, in the case of Potter's Field, it was uh, good enough for them to come back with a fourth one-shot, uh, a one-shot, not the fourth one-shot, but a one-shot, the fourth chapter in this tale that takes a look at uh, John Doe's investigation of these burned bodies that are being uncovered, and he's tracking them back to stolen identities. And so we see him working with a police officer uh, who we've seen previously, uh-huh. and she ends up having to go and investigate her own. She has to go and investigate the the police officers, and even though she thinks she's being nonchalant in the way that she's investigating them, turns out they're tipped off right away. And in fact, they're the ones that are arriving on the scene early. They find out, you know, whether this person has any next to kin or anything like that, and then steal the identity mm-hmm. and then ditch the body and burn it beyond be- recognition because nobody's going to know. Nobody's going to care. It sounds like a great scam. Right. You know, if you're nefarious. If you're, well, and if you're on the inside. Yeah. And if you're on the inside, sure. Um, but it gets into this dirty cop tale uh, that ends with a big chase and more people getting hurt and, and murdered. And uh, turns out it goes higher up than you might expect. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, 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 dun. A purple car. <laughs> the purple car. And again, that's really well done because it's not until that one moment where you're like, uh oh, yep. it's not just these two cops. It's this cop and maybe this cop and how many other cops uh, get busted. But, um, you know, John Doe and this, and this police officer do share some really good information and some, some really good character development between the two of them. But when we say we don't know who John Doe's name is, if you look at that last page and if you zoom in, we see a lot. John Doe wears these mirrored sunglasses mm-hmm. and I didn't, I didn't put this up to the uh, mirror or anything to read it. Um, but we see in the glasses, she hands him a note and she says, and it's a Potter's field number. And she goes, is this a name that I'm, that I need to investigate? And he goes, oh no, not yet. You'll know when it's time to investigate. And we see in his glasses, the Potter's field number six, four Oh one two. And then we see this name written backwards. And I didn't know if this was his name or not. Hmm. And it looks like it would be. I don't even know what it is. I can't even read that backwards, and I can't flip it around in this. Like uh, Jennifer. Oh, well, maybe it's yeah. something. Okay, so maybe it's not. If it's Jennifer, it's definitely no, not his name. But right. when he's when they're having him dig his own grave, they're like, "Oh, you're looking for your wife? Yeah. Or your sister? Did I hit a nerve? Yeah, Have I hit yeah. a nerve yet? I'm pretty yeah, sure yeah. it's Jennifer Vineyard because earlier in that uh, story we see six four one zero two, or and it says Jennifer something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so maybe I'll that's that. Maybe uh, that's a big page clue. Ninety-eight would be. So, what'd you think of the overall story, Matthew? I didn't think it was. I didn't think it was too short at all. I actually, I kind of enjoy the fact that it's a three-issue series because I've gone on the record repeatedly as saying stories padded artificially to six to fill a particular trade size bugs the crap out of me. 
I really liked it. And I think that part of the reason that I liked it is because it wasn't what I expected. I went in expecting one thing and they faked me out. <laughs> Excuse me. He's not I using the speed force. <laughs> no, not at all. There was no speed force and no time travel or no nothing. But I think the point where it really turned into something <coughs> compelling is the point where he confronts the super. Yeah, yeah. That was a great bit. <coughs> yeah, and that was horrifying. Just, uh and that also leads into the reveal of how he gets his various agents as well. Mm-hmm. So you want to go through Which and I explain that in nice. detail, or do you want people to go out and buy the book this oh, week sure. and find out? Go ahead. Oh, no. Go buy the book. Let's put it this way. The super has a secret involving a kidnapped girl, and the kidnapped girl's mother blamed the wrong person and made a career of it. When it turns out that the secret is secret. But definitely go buy the book, because I don't want to spoil that. That's actually pretty awesome. Yeah, because it's pretty secret. It's and what did you think of the secret, 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 secret? Oh, secret. I like the secret. Oh, I like the secret, too. Secret, 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 secret. What did you think secrecy, of the overall secrecy, story? Secrecy, secrecy, secrecy. What the hell are you doing? I'm uttering secrecy. Um, Utter secrecy. Get it? I liked it. <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> drink! No, the here's already ahead of you. Here's I, I did like that it was short, um, because Drink. it's like it's kind of this it's this thing where you know you're kind of getting like this. Let me tell you a story about New York City out right, in Potter's Field. Right. There's this crazy man <laughs> and he's trying to fill in all the names of all the graves. He's like, wow, this sure was a good, uh, I don't know. Outer Limits episode, sort yeah. of, you know, yeah, yeah, in yeah. that in that sense, uh, there's there's nothing clearly supernatural about it, but in that is like, here's this cool story. Okay, now let me tell you about the Rat Man from the sewers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. So I enjoyed, point, point. yeah, I enjoyed the fact that we got this two stories mm-hmm. out of this about John Doe, and. But but not so much that it's clear, you know, not so so into the story that we have to have three more trades to find out what happens. Mm-hmm. And, you know, not so much revealed that we can't just make up whatever we want, like he's a ghost using the story. Right, 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 right. Well, you know, I, right. I think my thing lately, and it's all because of Lost, I get wrapped up in, give me the freaking answers. You know, mm-hmm. tell me what's going on. Tell me who this guy really is. Steven's been burned before. I've been burned one too many times. I've got the skin grafts to prove it. Um, but you know what? I think, I think that if they came out with another arc of this, if it was written by Mark Wade, I think eventually people wouldn't care who John Doe was. It's just that here's this kick-ass investigator who is bringing down the bad guys and, and there's something to that there's something to that style because mm-hmm. i think at some point you know there, there's all these like truisms about writing right that are that are not actually true that don't actually have to be there is like mm-hmm. you need to develop your characters and blah 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 and find out who they are is like you can develop your characters without ever finding out who they are right right you know there's still like 800 years of time war that we haven't talked about with mm-hmm. the doctor and it's better that way because right. that way he can just be sore about it mm-hmm. you know and and not and broody and right pouty because and... as soon as you start exploring it 
then that tells you exactly and what's going on. And dopey and duck. Well, he is the duck, but still. My my biggest my biggest complaint about uh, Wolverine's uh, origin story was not where it was said or whether it was good or bad, was that it actually existed. Mm-hmm. You know, when they came out and they're like, this is the true story of Wolverine, I was like, well, that that cuts the interest that I had in the character right. by 50%. Right. Because it doesn't matter to me where Wolverine comes from. And now that you've told me, I know that he comes from somewhere lame. <laughs> yeah, so, I, I, you know, that's probably in this book a good thing that we don't know who he is. Um. And that he could be anybody and anyone, and you can almost give him any background you want because he is this white sheet of paper that's you're filling in mm-hmm. to tell a story. And the story isn't necessarily about John Doe, it's about the victims right. and how he's going about yep. and bringing peace to those victims. And I like that a lot. Um, what about the art? Uh, for me, this is very, this is Boom Studios house style art, if there is such a thing yeah. as a Boom Studios house style that. art. But almost everything that we've read has this kind of look to it. Um, everything that we've read from Boom Studios kind of has a similar look and feel yeah, to what we're seeing here. Darkwing Duck. Yeah, yeah. Darkwing Duck is one of those uh, perfect examples. His name is Bowling Ball Darkwing. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm not crazy about it. Like, I think that it accomplishes what it sets out to do. But it is difficult. It's, yeah, it's you smudgy. know, when the informant comes back Mm -hmm. you don't know right away that it's the same guy and you've seen his face before when the informant comes back to say hey john doe i'm sorry i told some lady about you yeah yeah yeah. you know it looks like she's already found out run forest i mean john doe run john doe she's coming after (laughs) you um you don't you don't necessarily know that it's him until they start having this conversation. I was like, oh, he's the guy from issue one. And if you're just looking for ghosts, you'll miss that entirely. Right, right. Um, so I, the art, although the general mood of it works for the story, I found that sometimes that same moodiness and smudginess and darkness mm-hmm. works against the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Matthew, thoughts yeah. on the art? Especially... Especially in identifying certain characters, because there's a point where uh, the red-haired girl reappears, and I wasn't clear for a second whether it was the same red-haired girl. It's the same red-haired girl that Charlie that, Brown was in love with. Yeah, yeah we know what wah, happens wah, after wah, high wah, school. Wah, wah, wah. Yep, that's what she's doing. Yep, makes, makes perfect sense. I like the art up to a point. I felt like there weren't any big deficiencies in it, but. I kind of agree with you in that there's it feels like a Boom Studios joint because of that art. You know, it feels like that art is something that is part and parcel of their you know their trade dress for all intents mm-hmm. and purposes. So I'd be interested. I don't know I'm, if it's, I'm wondering if I could do one of those like blind taste tests kind of things where you give me a page of art uh-huh. from a publisher from a book and say. It's a little bit harder since I know where most of the titles are coming from. Right. But slap down a couple of Dynamite pages, slap down a couple of Booms, slap down Marvel, Dis- uh, you know, DC, all of that, and just see if I can pick out which ones are from which company. Because it's almost to that point where each company has its own distinct look. Yeah. Image Comics might be the one that kind of... Well, and, and Dark Horse, because that one is kind yeah. of scattershot about things. Right, right, right. Um, but when it comes to some of these companies, it's it's there is a style. Blue water, <laughs> blue water. Yes, 
<laughs> this looks like crap. It must be. Oh. Hey. Snap. <laughs> I'm sorry, you, but that well, Lindsay Lohan okay, Blue Water would awful. Have, Blue Water would have to tip you off. Like, if you're looking, it's like, huh, this looks like an anime page. Maybe it's something that, like, Dark Horse brought over. It's like, oh, that's supposed to be... Um, Lindsay Fel- Lohan. That's supposed to be Felicia Day. It's like, what? <laughs> She's blonde. Oh, this is a Blue Water comic. No wonder Denise Richards doesn't appear at all in the Charlie Sheen comic. I don't want to get sued. This uh, trade paperback... <coughs> Excuse me. Also contra- contains an original pilot script that uh, Mark Wade had written. Uh, so if you Yarr. want, if you I want, John. Oh, not a pirate script. I'm sorry. No, a pilot script. So if you're kind of someone yeah, who right. likes to know how a comic book is structured and built and written, panel by panel, here's a good uh, example of that. Mm-hmm. And then there are also some sketches of early John Doe in his many guises. Which I like because it it's it 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 shows you the the process that they went through of like mm-hmm. oh this guy has to be a real secretive mm-hmm. so they he starts out basically dressed like longshoreman yeah he he basically looks like a plague victim and they slowly <laughs> strip it away to the point where he's just a guy wearing big sunglasses and yeah that's, that's probably the best place where they could have ended up I find it fascinating a couple of these it looks like he's wearing what like a Hannibal Lecter mask. Uh-huh. And then another one, it's like he's wearing a fake mask, a fake face mask on top. Uh, oh. It's on the second to last page where it's you just see it kind of taped down to his to his face. Right, right. That's yeah. interesting. That is interesting. Um, I think the Hannibal Lecter mask is just one of those like uh, face warming masks. Oh, oh, okay, maybe it is. <laughs> Do you hear the crying of the lambs, Clarice? Ah, tit for tat, red-headed girl. Tell me, red-headed girl, do you have any Golden Lightfoot CDs? What happened to your Are you familiar the with the shirt? early works of Studs Terkel? <laughs> what happened to that boy in the yellow shirt with not very much hair? You remember him in fifth grade. Ah, he wore a crown of thorns in his middle, Clarice. <laughs> I stuffed his head down a toilet. <laughs> <laughs> With some nice I started a three block radius. <laughs> it took me an hour and a half to flush him, Clarice. <laughs> Tell me, Clarice, have you ever seen the show How I Met Your Mother? <laughs> okay, so bottom line, Rodrigo. Uh I this is one of uh like I find Barney. <laughs> this <laughs> this is one of those uh it, it is it is kind of classic boom in that in that sense you know back in the day when they were like oh we're not gonna do superheroes right 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 um so this is what they were doing and they do it really well mm-hmm. um definitely if you're into crime if you're into noir if you feel that you haven't gotten enough of the shadow recently if you were kind of uh upset about first wave and how it turned out you know here's the shadow without superpowers yeah but still done in its own way with its own shtick Mm -hmm. so that it's not just the shadow it's got a guy he's just kind of reminiscent of it yeah um i would say pick it up it's it's a quick read and 
it will make you seem smarter next to your complete run of JLA. There you go. Matthew, some thoughts? Matthew is at a loss for words. How awesome. Oh, we just lost him. Here, I will do it. (laughs) Back in 1937, I was like, hey, I'm going to pick this up in the original issues. I like it better the first time Gil Kirby did it. (laughs) Oh, we don't have Matthew. Matthew, Matthew, Matthew. Where is Mr. Matthew? Did Rodrigo's comments just blow your mind? Matthew, that you just dropped off the line? Is that what happened? Uh, I don't know. Okay. What do you say? Awesome things that were awesome. So what are your final thoughts of this book? Uh, and I liked it. Hey, wait a minute. That's the exact same thing Rodrigo said right before you went, boo. <laughs> Did I just blow your mind? <laughs> Uh, sorry, I'm busy talking like Hannibal Lecter. I find this comic book to be delightful, droll, and waggish, if you will. <laughs> I Overall, I think I would read more John Doe if there was more jo- John Doe to read. I don't mind the three-issue length. I don't mind the, you know, the art having similar feel to other stuff that Boom does. And I felt like there's a lot, there's a lot of mileage in this hook. Mm-hmm. There's a lot you can do with this character in this setting. And, you know, worst case scenario, wouldn't it be weird if somewhere down the line something happened and, you know, John Doe was no longer a part of the whole thing, but someone else picked up his crusade? I like this book a lot. I think it is worth picking up. 128 pages, $14.99. That's a pretty good deal. Yeah. It's a pretty good story. We may have spoiled it for you, but then again, these all came out in single issues. I was trying to find the date. I want to say like 2007 or something like that. Yeah, it came out before. Uh, So I don't feel bad about spoiling a lot of it, but it is worth reading. I think there is that true crime element that works really well, Mm -hmm. and it reads like an episode of Law and Order. You know, it reads like, what was the uh, one in Baltimore? It reads like an episode of Law and Order Homicide, if they, if they had the like interesting characters driving it because they never give Munch any time. <laughs> it's all attractive lady with a haircut and kind of attractive guy with no hair. That's all you ever see. It's all Detective Keller and Jane Mansfield's daughter. Yep. There you go. All right, everybody, that wraps it up for this week's episode of the Major Spoilers Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in, downloading, sharing with your friends, putting up with our technical difficulties. Next week, we're going to make it up with you. Make it up for you with a reading of... Yes. Make it up all over you. We will make it up, (laughs) preposition What I want to hear is, I want to hear Hannibal Lecter and uh, Truman Capote having a conversation. (laughs) Gentlemen, go. (laughs) Did you see that new movie, Truman? It was quite exquisite. Yes, but I didn't like Neil Patrick Harris' performance in the Smurfs. <laughs> I found the the oeuvre of Grouchy Smurf to be classical in its lyricism, reminiscent of Prospero himself. Well, and then certainly. I killed him. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly you could see it that way, but it's so fast, eh? 
and cans. <laughs> All right, everybody. Why are we uh, doing a dramatic reading of Legends of the Dark Knight Venom next week? Why? Because they never should have. They should have never canceled Legends of the Dark Knight. We're going to take a look at that uh, arc next time. It's pronounced Venom, by the way. Oh, I sorry, Venom. Why? Because we know that you love comics, and we do too. Goodbye. Tit for tat. Kansas. If you have any questions, comments, topic ideas for future shows, or would like to sponsor a show, send an email to podcast at Majorspoilers.com. Visit Majorspoilers at Majorspoilers.com and be sure to check out the Major Spoilers forum. You can also follow Major Spoilers on Twitter at Twitter.com slash Majorspoilers and on MySpace at MySpace.com slash Majorspoilers. Fat Dick's revision of Superman I could save a few bucks and stand around And read through the covers of the comics on the stand But although every other page would be backwards I suppose I could still read the evens and the odds Well I don't know Guess I haven't thought this all the way through Plus as soon as the comic book store guy knew They kicked my butt out on the corner What a major spoiler What a major spoiler Way. If I was hulking green or gray, I could just bust through that brick wall, take their comic books away. But then the little meat would deal with all the tanks and bombs and guns. Have you ever tried to read a series with all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan. How would I back and board my comics with such huge hands? Guess I already told ya. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a major spoiler What a major spoiler If I'm Stark Raven rich like a man of iron I might not be surprised to find That I might actually have the heart cold To follow an entire storyline But would I really even need To read upon all those escapades I mean, who needs such distractions When your sister's such a babe But the downside is such a beast Being shot up in a fine be In the Middle East With a King Santo and soldier what a major spoiler What a major spoiler Yeah, yeah, yeah What a major spoiler Whoa, 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 whoa What a major spoiler This has been a Major Spoilers podcast Copyright 2011 Goodbye See you on the next show